Welcome to Guidepost to the Crossroads. I am William Ramada. This podcast is to help you remember that you have a purpose in life. This is to motivate, inspire, and guide you to a happy, fulfilled life. The world can be a noisy place and we tend to lose focus on the purpose of our individual journeys. I use my various experiences, education, and other modalities to help you cancel out the noise and focus on your needs and desires in your journey. This podcast has been brought to you by Culture Vegan Shop in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Culture, where the only thing that is missing is you. Welcome back, my fellow humans, to the Guidepost to the Crossroads. Boy, it's been a week, I tell you, and uh, as we're going through this, and uh, this week, I was thinking about this this episode, and um, it's just practical ways to deal with how we worry, how to deal with our fear, and that big old famous inner critic that we have. You know, Mark Twain said, I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. And that is so true. A lot of times we just worry about things that never happened or those things in the past we can't change. And I'll show some numbers about that in a few minutes. Because, you know, we, we do. If you ever think about it, don't we spend more time scared of imaginary s- scenarios than actually going through those terrifying experiences? And and what's that make you think, you know? I, you know, I worried for nothing. I know I've done that a lot. Think about it. How how much of your life have you spent worrying? And how much of it have you actually endured something truly bad, right? It's it's crazy. Here here's some numbers that I saw. So did you know that from all the things we worry about, thirty percent are things from the past we cannot change? 40% are bad scenarios that will never happen. Yeah, that's a large amount. You know, overthinking is what we do. 12% are related to people's opinion of us. I thought that would be higher, maybe for some people. but And 10% are related to health issues. And worry makes those health issues worse, of course. And only 8% are things that need us to take action on. Isn't that amazing? You know, that's that's more than 90% of our time that we spend worrying about things we have little or no control over. That's just crazy. You know, while we couldn't do anything else in these cases, but try to be more accepting and more mindful... You know, um, I, I shared some practical and some, some easy methods 
you know, about that earlier. And just think about it, only 8% of worries that we can act on. That's pretty nice if you actually think about it, because 8% of all that, that that we could act on, you know, that, that leaves us free and open for, you know, 92% of just having a good time or something. So you say, how do I deal with this, though? Because I keep doing it anyway. You know, worry keeps your mind in this this state of blur. And it makes you helpless in the face of problems. And so what we have to do is we we have to learn to conquer our fears. Well, how do we do that? Well, first, we've got to point them out. We've got to know what they are, right? So if you pick up your notebook, if you've been taking notes, because you're going to need it for this strategy. I'm going to show you what to do now. See, many people I know have used this five-step technique very successfully. And obviously, I use it when I'm worried or confused about a situation. I take a few minutes and I sit down and breathe when I start to worry and I start doing this little, this task here. It's really easy and it's going to help you out. It's going to help you get out of this fearful state because it's going to give you a clarity over every situation you're dealing with. So the first step is... Just think about an aspect of your life that is bothering or worrying you. Write it down. You can put it in big, bold letters or whatever. Just write it down like, number one, I worry about this. And what you want to do is you want to determine an action step you could take that can change that situation and think of the absolute worst outcome if you take that action step. What's the worst thing that could happen if you took action against it? And you want to write this down in detail. Just think of the worst scenario that exists in your head. What are the things you fear? What might go wrong? What would be the consequences And are they irreversible? How likely would it be for these fears to really happen? Then after you write all those down, it should be a good page or so. You want to rate, you want to rate this, right? You want to rate the magnitude of the consequence from one to five. One, you know, is just, eh, it's okay. You know, not nothing bad is really going to happen. And five, is it's a disaster. You just think your life's going to end or something. Number two, after you're finished assessing this situation, 
and all the consequences of your action, you're going to ask yourself a question. You could write this down too. Could I do something to attenuate this consequence or fix things later? If so, how would I do it? How would I circumvent these consequences? Or if the consequence did happen, how can I reverse it later? Is it irreversible, as we asked in number one? Because, you know, as we write things down, they become real to us, and we could actually see the pitfalls or whatever. And while you're searching for situations, it's going to bring up different perspectives, new perspectives. And when you're doing this, you're not worrying so much because you're actually thinking about solutions. So when you're less busy worrying, you will be awed at your brain's capacity and and its creative powers to find answers. Then you can do number three. You're going to ask yourself another question. You can write this down. How will, you la- how will your lack of action impact your life? And you want to think about this emotionally, physically, and financially. You could add that all into the question. You could do it in separate paragraphs, whatever. But you want to make sure that you encompass all of those because those, those are aspects of our lives that we worry about a lot, right? Uh, we worry about our physical, our health, our, our mind. We worry about money. It's probably one of the biggest things we worry about. And then we get all emotional about it a lot of times. We get mad, angry, upset, cry, whatever. So you just write that down. How will your lack of action impact your life? If you don't do anything, what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen in all those different areas? You know, most often we think about what could happen if we take a particular action, but we have a tendency to forget to consider the negative consequences of the inaction. You know, if I don't take action, what are the negative things that could happen? Because so many times we sit around and we oh, I'm not going to do anything about it because we're not thinking about if I don't do something, like nothing's going to happen, right? You just think it's going to go away. But crap don't go away. It don't. It's there. I mean... You can wish it away all you want to, but inaction is doing something because something always happens. (laughs) I mean, if you don't do something about it, something's going to happen. It's just the way it is. Ah, It sucks because sometimes I just don't even want to deal with things neither, but oh well. I mean, such is life, right? In three months, six months, or a year, 
what would be the result of you not doing anything about the situation? Try and think of it as long term like that. Not just a day or two. I mean, because a day or two just passes and you're like, yeah, whatever. But think about that in the long term. If you don't do anything, what could happen? Four is a hard one. Accept the things you cannot change. Right? Could we're we're at, at uh, we're the kind of people that like to take action about things. We we want to fix things. At least men do. You know, men want to always fix everything, not leave it broke. So, but there are times in our lives we can't do anything, right? So we're going to have to suffer with those consequences of either or. There's a well-known philosopher named William James. He was also a psychologist, and he said... Be willing to have it so. Acceptance of what has happened in the first step to overcoming the consequences of any misfortune. Because think about it. After you accept the worst, there's nothing else to lose. Once it's happened, it's happened. You're like, what can I do? Nothing. So if you can't do anything about it, then don't sweat it. I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, it's something we have to work on. The number five, think about the potential positive outcome. For every everything that you wrote down, just think of the, the positives. And you're going to rate the benefit of a positive result from one to five, like you did the negative. Five being the best you hope for and one not so good, right? So let me give you an example. Here's my problem. I'm unhappy with my life and I want to move to another city or state. So... What I fear will happen if I take action is I fear that I'll be completely alone. Nobody's going to be in that new city to count on. Uh, There could be financial struggles because I'm starting all over again. Or maybe I'm thinking I might have made the wrong choice. I'm not going to like it here as much as I would. So you take that scenario and you rate it from one to five on the negative. The negative outcome would be maybe a four for me, right? You know, not not the total worst in the world, but not really good neither. So what are some possible actions I could take about this consequences? You know, there's there's a plenty of things out there I could think. I could join groups online, join different classes or activities. 
that I'm passionate about. Maybe for me, I could find a gym right away, you know, connect with like-minded people. Uh, financially, maybe I could find a part-time job real quick, unless I was lucky enough to uh, already find one before I got there. And if I end up hating it, I suppose I could always move again sometime. <laughs> Somewhere else, or maybe even back to the town that I initially lived in. And I don't know about you, but I don't like going back, so... I don't know if that would be an option for me, but some people would They'd go back home. If you're young, maybe you go back to your parents or maybe team up with some friends and rent a place. But there's always options, options to consequences. Now out of that situation, you're going to take the negative consequence of inaction. So if I didn't like the town, didn't like the situation, don't like my life, and I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, what's what's the negative consequence of my inaction for doing nothing? I'd end up being unhappy still. And over the long term, uh, I could end up feeling completely miserable and stuck. If I just stayed there, I could waste maybe some potential opportunities. And the worst of all, what I always think is I would probably regret my entire life that I didn't make the change. I didn't at least try. Now write down if you accept the things that can't be changed. I accept that my life would be far from ideal initially. And basically, I would start from zero on many aspects of my life and just go forward, right? I mean, if you can't change some things, then you're going to have to make the best with them. But I don't think there's many things in life, really, that we can't change. I mean, can't change other people, but... We could change if we hang around them. We could change who we hang around. We can change the places we go in that in that town. But I think there's always something we could change. But if there's something you really cannot change, those those are the things you would think about. I accept that my life would be far from ideal initially, and I'll just start from scratch. On many of the aspects of my life. And then the last part would be the the potential positive outcome. So I move. I will I will get to meet new people. I'll s- discover a new city. which means uh, there's going to be new experiences and opportunities. And the best of the best is I can find happiness that I was looking for. And on a scale of one to five, the positive outcome could be a five, right? 
I mean, that's the total best that could happen. That's probably what I would want to be looking at. See, thinking about problems like this, you may realize that your fears are often not that strong and most bad consequences could be reversible. You know, the pot, the potential positive outcomes compared with the negative ones just might be more significant making the action steps worth taking, you know? I mean, like, I really can't deal with this life anymore. I have to take action. You do. I mean, do you really want to just become lackadaisical and just stay there and be miserable? I don't know. You know, I guess some people would do that, but, you know, that, that wouldn't be for me. But my, the hardest thing for me is dealing with my inner critic. You know, the, the harshest critic we'll ever have will be the one inside your head. I know that's true for me because I overthink things a lot of times. And that inner voice keeps nagging me, always whispering about maybe my shortcomings, you know, and it acts like our my biggest bully, right? You know, it's like being in school all over again. <laughs> and it's awfully mean for someone who doesn't really provide us with much to do that. Why is it so rude to us for no reason? You know, our minds, why, our inner critic, why is it so rude to us? I never figured that out, really, but there may be this one reason that inner critic that we all have is trying to protect and improve us, but it doesn't always know how to do it. You know, it's that fight or flight stuff we kind of talked about in a way, you know, we want to stay safe, but we don't exactly know how to stay safe. We want to continue to go on, but we're not quite sure how. And a lot of times, what we say to ourselves is so real, if you think about it, because it's in our head. It's, it's us. Like, for example, if you look in a mirror and notice you've gained some weight, you know, it's not the end of the world to point that out, right? But... You know, it could help you motivate to become healthier. But if you look in the mirror and you think you're disgusting and that no one's going to love you, then you got a problem. And that, that deeper hidden truth is still there that you might need to make some healthy choices, but it's how we say it to ourselves that counts. Always talk about thoughts or things. Th- thoughts or things. Because our thoughts become real. And the more we think about them and the more energy we put into it, it happens. So we really need to, to be careful on how we say things to ourselves because it really counts. 
how you talk to yourself has this profound emotional effect on us. So you have to even be wary of the tone of your inner voice. You know, you teach, teach the voice from your head to talk more productively. It takes time, and you have to really think about it, but you can do it. You know, just think of that inner critic like it's a child. You're teaching them what is appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say. If you were to learn something new and the person teaching you would just shout and constantly criticize you, not only would that be unhelpful, but it would make you feel bad about yourself, right? You'd lose confidence and motivation. You, you just wouldn't want to do it anymore. Like, why, do I, why am I doing this? But if they would nicely explain to you what's wrong and how you can improve, then the outcome would be completely different, right? You'd be like, oh, okay, I could do that. And you would do your best. So you need to detach from your inner voice. And what is essential to understand is that you're not your mind. And if the inside voice refuses to be nicer, there are ways to detach from it. And you might be saying, how can I do that? Well, it's not easy a lot of times, but we can do it. We have to just put our time into ourselves. Because you don't have to listen to it just because it lives inside your head. So think about this. The next time your inner voice is rude to you, you can try some things. It's like in meditation. You can observe it in detail on what it is saying to you and the tone of it, if it's aggressive or whatever. Stretch your arm forward with your palm up. And imagine your inner voice leaving your mind and coming down inside your palm. Now that it's in your palm, you could, you could play with it. You could slow it down, change the tone to a funny one. For example, you could make it sound like a little boy or a little girl or your favorite cartoon character. How is it? It feels less threatening that way, right? Because you're in control. It's easier to brush those comments off. This is the way to visualize that voice so we don't let it cause so much mental damage. Because when it's in, its, it's in our head and we let it just keep going on and on, it just tears you apart. Another method to apply when you, when you can't get a particular critical thought out of your head is to try singing it. If you tell yourself, I'm a loser and I'll never do anything right, sing that along with your favorite song. And as you start to do this, you realize how silly it really sounds to say such a mean thing to yourself. It reminds me, because there's a song that I listen to sometimes. It's on my playlist. Uh, who is it? I can't think of it. But, it was, but there's a line that says, 
Cause I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Right? So if you sang that to yourself, you'd be like, oh, that, that sounds stupid. Why would I say that to me? And you could always try writing down your thoughts and reading them back. I write down all my thoughts, usually first thing in the morning and then throughout the day as I think about it. And you can do it on scrap paper so you can throw it away if you don't want anybody to see or a journal you can lock or something. But when you actually put your negative thoughts on paper, it helps you see them objectively. And it helps you recognize just how ridiculous it can be. And you really need to be kind to yourself. Oscar Wilde said to love oneself in the beginning of a lifelong romance. To love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. You got to take care of yourself first. And I know that it's, it's, it's easy to love yourself when the days are good, right? But it's, it's important. It's essential to learn to accept yourself on your bad days too. When all you can see is your flaws. The base of your self-compassion is self-kindness. The Buddhists live with this concept, you know, in their culture. And it, it encourages us to treat ourselves as we treat like our best friend. Accepting our flaws comes from the deep understanding that we are imperfect. The only perfect people that exist are the ones you see on TV and in our social media feeds, right? But no one is as perfect as television or Instagram makes them look. You're only seeing that mask. You don't know what's behind the scenes. You know, those who struggle to show love and appreciation to themselves, they end up feeling a lot of internal suffering, unhappiness that leads eventually to anxiety, depression, and isolation, and sometimes even worse. So treating yourself with more kindness has many positive consequences on your well-being, making you feel inner peace being more satisfied with your life, feeling happier and more resilient. So make a habit of asking yourself thoughtful questions in bad times and difficult times. Same as you would ask a friend who would need your help, your support. How can I care for myself today? What would I say or what advice would I give a friend in, in the same situation? But most importantly, how would I say it, right? What is my tone and how would I say it lovingly? To care for yourself when you're having a bad day, you could engage in some of your favorite activities, whatever that is. It could be reading, going to a masseuse. I like the gym. I like exercising or meditating. Or maybe just spend time with friends or family. 
incorporate these activities in your life when things are difficult is an excellent way of showing yourself some compassion. Because there are things that you like, things that you love. And this will make a massive difference for your mental well-being in the long term. And like me, I go to the gym, so it's physical and mental. See, learning to put yourself first is an excellent way of self-care if you continuously give time and energy to other people Forgetting to take some time for what you need. What does your soul need? From the moment you're born until the moment you die, the only person you are 100% of the time with is yourself. Think about that. That's powerful, isn't it? So try your best to make your own company and overall life journey a pleasant one. You be happy. Do what you want to do. Explore your life. What is it that you want? And I'll end this with a saying that Buddha said. You, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Well, thank you for joining me again, my friends. Love yourself. Take care of yourself. It is a better life. Mm-hmm.